Hello and welcome to a new episode of the BIM Voice Podcast. Today's guest is Eristein Ulvestad. Eristein is working as a BIM developer at Zveco in Oslo, Norway, where he is responsible for research, development, and quality of civil BIM models. Welcome, Eristein. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure being invited. So nice to have you here. Uh, let's start with introducing yourself a little bit and telling us a little bit more. Yeah. Um... I studied in, in Trondheim at uh, NTNU, um, where I have a master, uh, finished in 2000. And then I've uh, been working um, for several different companies, mainly with uh, steel design, actually. But the last 10 years or so, I've done uh, concrete bridges. And in the last five years or so, we've, do, we've been doing um, drawingless design. Where where we do bridges and and they uh, and they build them without us making drawings for them. It's it's all based on uh, a BIM model. This sounds really interesting, and uh, we're going to learn. Uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit more things about this. What uh, what do you see as benefits doing this and skipping the drawings, just uh, dropping the drawings? Do we have any benefits? Is this a, a reason that any other companies should try to do this? Uh, it's a good question, and it's not obvious that it's uh, all advantages. Um, but uh, I think um, what we what we want to achieve is higher understanding of the problems to be solved, better clash detection, um, faster revisions. Uh, and uh, in the end, a ch- cheaper and better quality product. Um, th- there's a lot of aspects to it, um, uh, but generally, I would say that so far uh, we've we've proved that it's a lot more advantages than disadvantages. But but of course, we we can discuss aspects of it because it's not all positive. If you want me to go in detail about the positive things first, maybe. You can start with negatives. Because one, uh, if I can say uh, one thing about this, is definitely is going to be needed more time because you need to do to work a little bit more. But of course, this, uh, this disadvantage is going to offset itself during the life cycle of the project. Now you please go ahead with the advantages. Yeah, um, I think one thing what what you want to achieve is uh, better quality and a cheaper project um but um of course when we do this as consultants we've seen that you know for, for thousands of years you've been building things based on drawings and that takes well say 1000 hours just to name a number and then for about 10 years now we have had BIM models, 3D models, uh, and you still make drawings. So the drawings are based on the 3D models. And then we've seen that the quality of our product gets higher. Uh, They make less mistakes at site. And the clients, in our case, Statensweivesen, the road authorities, they have seen change orders going down from about 19% to 8% when you change from 2D drawings to 2D drawings based on a BIM model. But what we 
the disadvantage for us as uh, consultants is that we use a bit more time than we used to do when we first make a BIM model and then a 3D model. But the project as a whole saves quite a lot of money. Now we're at the third stage where we skip drawings altogether. So we, we build bridges or structures based on just the BIM model. And we still see that we use more time compared to just making drawings. Uh, but those change orders that that was 8% is, is going down even further so that the project overall is saving even more uh, costs, but we as consultants are spending more. So, so a disadvantage for us is how, how do we cover our, our expenses that's, that's getting higher. Another disadvantage is how do you, um, in a model, say in a drawing, if you remove something from a drawing, how do you communicate that? You, you can do that by making a cloud, for example. Uh, in a 3D model, if you remove something, how do you communicate that you've removed something? If you add something, it's quite obvious. If you remove something, it's, it's harder to tell people that you've removed something. So uh, just small practical things. You use BIM Collab. <laughs> you can, but if the client uh, uses another, uh, another software, it's, it's not always uh, so easy. Yeah, but I mean a tool, like a tool, like we have the tools, right? We have the tools, if you want to, to do that, that makes this easy. Because yep. otherwise, yes, it would be messy to not to not uh, to miss completely the overview over this uh, what is happening there yeah we've solved it with uh, adding um, a, a revision document that's that's sort of linked to the model uh, but um, there are several ways of doing it um, another disadvantage let me see um, yeah one thing on a drawing say in, in, in our case, we have 200,000 rebars in, in the bridge we're doing now. If, um, and say 98% of those rebars can be moved uh, sideways a couple of centimeters without that being drastic or, or but, but some of the rebars, they need to be positioned exactly where they are in the model. For example, helixes around um, anchors for, for post-tensioning and uh, communicating that in a model, uh, what, what is flexible, what is not, uh, that's, that's a bit hard. That's harder than on a drawing. Also quali quality control, when you do quality control of a drawing, uh, you're controlling a principle. You're, you're saying this plan view of uh, reinforcement is valid for, you know, a uh, hundred columns. While in a BIM model, you need to control all hundred columns. So you need a very structured way of presenting your data so that it's easy to build and easy to control. Yeah. And uh, let's see what other disadvantages do we have? Yeah, I'll, I have to think about it a bit more, but but there's um, there certainly are some uh, hard parts uh, about three D modeling.
Yeah, definitely. But uh, all in all, uh, like I think if you get all these costs, extra costs, and all these challenges, like like you just said, like uh, it might require a better planning before you start doing it. So you know that you are going to need to model 2000 columns and put them in a specific way, right? If you plan that before and not just model one and after that start mo moving them around, then it's going to be easier, right? So you need more time to plan, to be smarter, right? To, to brainstorm more at the start. But this, this should not be a problem, not for the customer, not for the consultant. Consult consultant will get to work more and that is, uh, it is how it is. But overall, the price of the project, it will go down a lot because consultant cost, it's very low compared on the, the entire project, right? What is 10% of the building of the project? It's not more than that. Or... No, no, it's probably lower. So uh, I agree that uh, spending, um, spending some more time on doing a good model that uh, with all the advantages that gives you uh, on a on the project life cycle it, it definitely uh, should be worth it exactly and i not i did not even uh, take into account the quality of data or information the customer is getting so uh, if he's getting drawings his drawings it's pdfs it's it can be paper i don't know but it's still dummy data right if you get the model, then you can do so much more with it. You, yeah, you, yeah, can, yeah. you, can, you can use some softwares, you can write some softs, or you can hire somebody to read some data you are interested. So if you take this, and this is going to, to, to have a huge impact over the, the, the entire uh, life cycle of the building, right? Because you are going to save lots of money because of this. Yeah, I, uh, in Norway, uh, the road authorities have been very proactive in allowing uh, uh, BIM models for third-party control. Um, and, and they also start demanding uh, drawingless projects now. So, so uh, I'm very, very impressed by the work they have been doing. Um, and of course, when they demand it, then then uh, client uh, contractors and and consultants need to uh, need to follow, and and that's normally not a problem. Um, what we have not seen in Norway yet is BIM models used extensively for maintenance and operations. Um, but as soon as the data is is standardized and and you get a, um, a library of quite a lot of models I'm, I'm sure that will will, will follow yes. and uh, owning these models I think will be quite valuable uh, in the future because it will be with big data and and and, uh, and uh, you know machines learning from old models uh, exactly yeah I think it will be a very powerful tool owning these models yeah I, I completely agree with that and uh, I have no doubt this uh, this is very very important and like you said uh, something very important as well like uh, let uh, aside the cost and everything uh, but you it's not it's going to be much easier to build a project when you see the 3d model all the involved parts even if they don't have a, a specific background 
it's going to be much easier for everybody, like for uh, people that work with economy or something else, it's going to be so easier to understand. And even for the designers and the constructors as well, right? It's so much difficult, like when you have the drawings, like you need and build the, the image in your head, right? This is the way you are building everything, right? And following the instructions. But when you see the 3D model, there is no doubt how something should look like. And when you combine that with, with some instructions that you said that might be nice in some cases that is difficult to model, then should be should be no problem in doing that. Now that's uh, what you're mentioning is definitely one of the huge advantages of, of BIM models, uh, understanding scope of work. And uh, there's no cheating uh, when you do a, a 3D model. You, when you do drawings, you, you know, you can choose to, to draw an easy section, not the complicated section. Of course. Well, when you do a 3D model, you, you, you cannot cheat because you need to solve all the clashes. And, and so if, if that's been solved, then um, the people building they, you know, they, if they wonder, they can inquire by pressing an object and you get information about uh, the number of rebars or whatever, and you can rotate your view. So uh, we see that we, we, we nearly don't get any questions from, from site anymore. Uh, so that's, that's a huge advantage. Um, another one is that cross-country work is a lot easier because um, drawings are very country-specific. Uh, a BIM model is, is a lot more universal. Um, revisions, it's a lot easier to, you know, you, you get a faster update of your design when you export a new model and send it over to, to the contractor. Uh, you know that every builder at site has the new model. There, there's no one stuck with uh, revision C when everyone else is on revision f or whatever yeah also when you do 3d modeling you you get a design up and running that can be clash checked uh, with other disciplines a lot easier so that the cost of making mistakes get a lot lower and your impact on design gets a lot higher because your design is finished earlier yeah another very very important thing is parametric design I, I don't know if I should, should I ex explain parametric design a bit or, yeah. Uh, parametric design is, is uh, setting up rules for a computer. Uh, for example, you need uh, railing posts every second meter. Uh, and when you're going to copy out railing posts every second meter, if, if you're copying along a straight line, it will take an engineer a minute to do it. But if the road line is winding or the bridge, is, bridge side is winding, it could take you know, a day if the bridge is long because everyone has to be copied and rotated, copied and rotated. Uh, with parametric design, you set up a rule saying place a, a, a post every second meter and it will follow side of the road. And if you change the side of the road or the side of the bridge, it takes the computer a second to update it while you would spend a day doing it. And then you start building these rules so that for uh, our latest project, the uh, Ranselva that just won the Tecla 
BIM Award for, for best BIM project in the world. Um, we managed to have maybe... Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the team uh, that, that worked uh, worked on this. Um, and anyway, so so we set up parametric design rules that that basically design maybe sixty percent of the bridge. So this can be, if we had to do revisions, that could be set up very easily. And also, if you want to reuse these scripts on the next project, then then that you could reuse maybe 40-50% of those scripts again so that um, it's uh, well it will be a very efficient way of designing infrastructure in the future yeah it's uh, is definitely it definitely is helping a lot i see it, though some uh, i don't see i'm thinking about some disadvantages uh, that i don't know how can you uh, mitigate these ones like um, I definitely see the advantages, and it's it's a no-brainer to use it, especially when you when you modify something. When you modify something, it's going to save your life, because if you do it manually, uh, it's just uh, it will take way too too long time, right? Especially on a on a big project. We don't talk about a very small project here, right? We talk about infrastructure, so it makes sense. What I'm worried about, not worried, but I'm thinking like a challenge can be here. It's maintaining these scripts. And not only that, maintaining the people that are working. You, you become very reliant on the people who are working with this. Because let's say if uh, the guy who uh, used parametric design on this bridge moved forward to another company or something. And you want to use it again, right? And you don't have anybody that knows it in detail. So someone is going to need some time to, le to learn, to see how it has been used, or maybe just start from scratch, right? So from this point of view, I don't, uh, it's just a thought that just came to my mind. I don't know, like the softwares we have, you know, they have the same interface, right? If you, if you can, like, not necessarily document because you you document too much about it you you end up maybe using more time than doing manually so it's a it's a tricky question this but i i i have uh, like the least you can you can definitely be sure about this is that you are going to eliminate lots of errors because of like you set the rules and the 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 algorithm is going to do exactly what you tell it to do right so yeah, yeah. Uh, if you don't have a problem with uh, like if there is, uh, you have people that more people, I think this might be a me good measure to have more people in the company work with the same kind of things, spread the knowledge, right? Don't be very reliant on a specific person. So <laughs> you don't need to take it from scratch. I totally agree. Um, because um, the reason you use uh, parametric design is, is of course, because uh, your normal software is, uh, you know, if, if it's Revit or Tecla or, or uh, whatever you're using, they don't have the tools for these very, very advanced exactly. operations. So you need to make them yourself. But what we worked quite a lot with on Ranselva was uh, structuring this, uh, these uh, new scripts so that um, you could easily understand it, even though you had never worked with the project before. Um, because uh, anyone who's seen a parametric script knows that it, it's 
uh, it very easily looks like spaghetti and and you know it it will even be uh, impossible for the people who made it to to understand it uh, you know a month after they made it um and the problem with this huge project is that uh, it takes two or three years to finish them. So, so you never get to spread the information or standardize the information before you start the next project. Exactly. And also in two or three years time, there will be another technology uh, hype uh, with, with some new tools. So uh, things, you know, like, it's it's a pro and con, but technology is moving so fast, so it's it's hard to have time to standardize things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, no, I, I don't think in this case the standardization can work. Not for for this. Uh, and uh, another uh, thing, very important thing as, as well. If you take the bridges, or no matter what you take tunnels or anything else, but bridges, like it's so huge variation, right? Like. Uh, you might have the script for this bridge, but next time you need another uh, design of the bridge, right? A steel bridge or, or a, a wood bridge or something or a different uh, uh, model of it, right? So it, it's very specific to location. So you don't find two uh, big bridges similar if you go around, right? No, definitely. Um, and, and that's also part of that trick to sort of uh, divide your scripts into subscripts that that would work on several types of projects yeah yeah, yeah. make it components like uh, like with the web development with react and everything like make components that you can reuse uh, to other uh, to to more projects yeah that that would make sense that would be smart maybe but but and then again as you say to um spread the knowledge that's that's always hard and and then we see um in the old days, you had engineers and you had uh, technical drawers, um, and those were the sort of two important parts in the project. And then, and then a period you had uh, people modeling, like 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 I, I've used the last ten years doing. Um, so I would know enough so I could take responsibility for the whole model uh, and maybe also make some drawings. And now with this parametric programming, you see there's um, to be good at that, you, you, you cannot be good at parametric modeling and modeling and calculations. So, so you, you get very specific, uh, you know, we have maybe six or seven experts in Sveco, but they only know parametric modeling. They, they wouldn't know the other things. Um, so, uh, the more advanced you get, of course, you the the more specific uh, education you need. Yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, of course, if you want to get good at something, you really need to specialize. But uh, like coding, programming is becoming more and more prevalent as a required skill. Like I guess, like any kind of engineer in a few years uh, is going to be required to know programming uh, to a different degree. So uh, I think. Yeah, it's going to be easier if you have a good system uh, of uh, like uh, of a very uh, high level uh, explanation of how you build your uh, scripts and this. You, you can you can do it. You can definitely do it. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't think people uh, change jobs too often. Not in Norway, at least. Uh, not in this branch in in this uh, field, from my experience. So 
but yeah, you cannot count on that. That is something, of course. But yeah, it's like if you go the other way, it's not good as well. If you just do manual, it's not possible. You will just waste time. So I wish I had time to learn more about it myself. But uh, you know, you know, in a busy work day, it's it's hard to find the time. But uh, when we started this this Ransalva project two years ago. I was presenting the team to the people that was doing calculations and and they were all 50s, 60s maybe, uh, very, very skilled experts on their field. And then the team I was presenting had an average age of maybe 27. <laughs> And they were our experts, and and uh, the expert, you know, the there were there were no one knowing this better in Europe than than they did. Uh, but I could see the faces of of the of the people calculating that that they were a bit worried. Were we really going to make this happen? Uh, and then uh, two years later, we uh, we won um, the best like the global awards. That, that was fantastic. But uh, I uh, <laughs> I had my doubts myself if we could solve all the problems two years ago, but then luckily we we f we found ways of doing it. Yeah, uh, well, you learn on on your way to something. If you if you don't challenge yourself, then you are going to do the same thing all over again. But and the competition is going to to do other things, right? So uh, you learn a lot doing it. Like this is what makes. Uh, uh, being an engineer, nice, right? Like yeah, definitely. If you want, if you want uh, excitement and uh, challenges, you can uh, you can have it always. Especially now with so much technology uh, around us, right? That yeah, we don't use enough. <laughs> no, no. Um, but uh, one thing that I have not mentioned yet, but but of course uh, uh, we can. Like we as consultants can make, uh, you know, the, the model can be as good as we, as it, it can be a fantastic model. But if you don't have good people at site that transforms this model into uh, understandable pieces of information for the people at, at the site, it's, it's worth nothing. And we've been very, very fortunate with uh, on this project and, and uh, with PNC that they have some very talented people transforming this into packages for the people at site. And also they, um, they use the, the BIM model to order reinforcement directly from IFC. So all bar bending lists are, are taken from the model. So uh, to, to make the whole process a success, you, you need a, a contractor that takes this seriously and, and, and put the right people in it. And uh, we've been very fortunate to to have that on on the projects I've been working on. Yeah, that that's very important, and uh, it's really nice to have uh, people uh, forward thinking that are willing to take on uh, new challenges. Uh, regarding this, by the way, there is, there is one thing that I am I um, I used to like. I remember a, a guest, a previous guest on the podcast. Uh, mentioned something like um, regarding the importance of the uh, 3D models or B models and if we really need them or uh, it's just uh, like we are wasting time. 
and he he uh, and I asked him uh, if this is not the next step, then what is the next step? Uh, what should we do? And um, he told me that actually, uh, why would we need? Maybe we might not even need this. If uh, if we would have uh, robots that may may uh, can just read the code, you don't even to have models. Models you you have for for people to see and understand them, right? So you go straight to the next level, but. We are not there yet. We don't have robots on uh, building sites that can just build everything from scratch. And with this, I go to the next point. Okay, can I can I just supply something? I I think sure. you're onto something very important because whenever I have doubts myself whether this is then is this really the way we want to go and is it the right way? I always think and you know the next step is robotic building. And a robot, you would never feed a robot 2D drawings. That would be ludicrous. You you need to feed it information, uh, to, you know, like digital information. Exactly. And be, so before you can have robots building for you, you need to get rid of drawings. And that tells me that this is the natural way forward. So what you're saying, the point you have is 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 maybe the most important thing in why we should use BIM. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's nice to hear that. Uh, and, and I agree because I had my doubts as well, not, because, not if the BIM models are better than drawings. That is obvious. Like if you take everything into account, the understanding uh, and the, the savings you can have and the, over the lifespan, lifespan of the project, it's undoubtable, right? And now we have the numbers as well. Because before it was just talk, uh, but now there are there have been some projects, not only infrastructure, but like there have been many projects built in Norway without drawings, right? And now people see the real value in that. Uh, so th there is no debate regarding this anymore, at least not in Norway. I don't uh, perceive this anymore. So, but I still, technology-wise, we might not be so far away from uh, moving to uh, robots that are going to build and you just feed them they don't need the model of course they need like instructions like you like you write a script you can write the script and the robot will execute it right maybe at some point but uh, we we are not there yet yeah but at least you would you would not if you need a code for the robot you would never write that on a piece of paper and and print it and <laughs> no 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 you just write so, a script yeah. No, just write the uh, orders, right? Yeah, yeah, so it needs to be digital in some way. Yeah, but uh, when I see other challenges regarding, uh, not, not specifically, this is not only about 3D models or B models, uh, this is generally uh, across the supply chain. I see this a very important point here. And I remember you said that uh, something in the start regarding the, the clients not requiring or they don't get or the designers don't think too much about what is going to be used in the operation. And uh, this is, uh, I see this as very, very, very important. Like, for this to work much more effective, like right now, you, you delivered on the, let's say, for example, this project, you deliver uh, documentation that uh, the constructor built it, right? So, but they, at the same time, I see two problems here. At the first time, they did not use directly your product, uh, your model. They modeled themselves another model. 
Am I right about that? Or is not this the standard procedure? The, the builder, the con general contractor is modeling itself, it's the building? In our case, they use our model. Okay. So, so they, yeah, they, they don't model things themselves. Uh, so all the objects they, that they use and, and, and model, and that, that would be our, we have modeled them. And, and we transfer this through IFC files to them. Okay, then this is, uh, this is very good. Uh, because I, I remember uh, talking with more people about this and uh, I understood that companies like general contractors or builders, they used to model their own models because the models uh, the designers are modeling are not made for uh, to be built or not are not uh, taught. Uh, you, you don't consider too much this aspect, right? So from this That's perspective, yeah. from this perspective, I'm thinking it was uh, so then you needed to tweak the project, like for uh, to think about the constructability, right? Yeah, uh, we uh, again we've been lucky because it's a total enterprise uh, this bridge. So we what is that? Sorry, sorry for interrupting. No, no. Um, the uh, the contractor PNC they they got uh, they got the job. And they hired us uh, so that we we knew what kind of bridge was going to be built, and we knew who we were, who was going to build it. Uh, which means that our model can be custom made for their production methods and uh, the kind of equipment they use. We have um, this is getting specific, but we have a moving scaffolding system, and and. There's a lot of the design, so every pore face is designed to fit their equipment. Uh, so, uh, and if if you are working on a on a project, say a, say a bridge, and you don't know who's going to build it, everyone uh, is going to have a chance to bid on the price of of building this. Then you need to to make things a lot more general, and then you would have to tweak the design before you could build it afterwards. But on this project, we, we didn't have that. We, we knew who was going to build it. So we're, we're designing what they want us to design. Wow, amazing. I must say uh, congratulations for this. It's very important. And uh, I am going to tell you why soon. Because I, I heard like, uh, like you save lots of money for the entire project as well, right? Because if you need to use time to remodel, Again, I'm not I'm not talking about a consultant or a designer perspective, but from a builder and constructor, right? If the builder needs a team to design, to to make them to model it uh, themselves, then then they are going to need to pay for that, right? And the client probably will uh, will get uh, some part of that cost uh, in the in the final product, right? So this this is very important, uh, and. Uh, and it's very important also for uh, for consultants uh, to think about all these aspects and not think only about uh, like, yeah, I want to build my virtual uh, bridge that I'm going to have uh, very nice in the 3D model, but it's going to be a very, very, uh, I don't know how they are going to build it. It makes no sense. But uh, is it, this is the what is normally happening, uh, usually happening. Yeah. 
and I think in some projects that's the way it has to be and, and will have to be in the future as well. But uh, then you at least you want to be able to, to connect every object to some kind of uh, pr process code so that you can quite easily price every aspect of building this bridge when you're bidding on it. Um, and and again, that's that's some work that we haven't done at at the, on this project. Uh, but I um, I know quite a lot of the Norwegian companies are working on standardizing this, so that it would be easy for a contractor to to get a BIM model and then uh, put prices on the different aspects of it uh, in a standardized way. Wow, that sounds very good. That's a very good news. Mm, yeah. Um, but how you then would, if you could reuse this, say, we in Sveco, we, we, um, if we build a bridge uh, or a bridge model that someone's going to bid on, on building, and then if they win, win it and want someone else to tweak the design for them, how do you avoid the whole model having been modeled again a second time? Uh, I don't have a good answer for you there, but uh, that's of course a goal that that you you would reuse design. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense to find solutions for this, and everything starts with uh, with the contract form. Contract yeah. form are very important. Yeah, definitely. Have you worked on any project with IPT, uh, IPD, integrated project delivery? I'm not so familiar with the term but uh, but at least like the the last projects i've been working on with drawing list design is is all uh, you know we we know who the contractor are so we can yeah so we know the method they're going to use to build it and so we can use the products they want to use we can we can model the yeah the dimensions they need for their tools um and I think that's a very good way of working with this kind of uh, this kind of technology. Okay, I'm I'm not an expert uh, with IPT, uh, IPDs, uh, but I know that um, integrated project delivery it's uh, they are used in uh, US, uh, not not a large scale. Uh, they they think it's uh, really nice and uh, and I, I uh, kind of contract and I, I know they have been uh, tried in Norway as well. So the, the main um, aspect of this is that everybody is involved in the process, the designer, the builder, and the client. So you have these meetings where everybody is involved. So you, you can spot and uh, with misunderstandings from a very early phase. So you avoid uh, misunderstandings later. So from this point of view. Uh, but yeah, regarding um, what you said, this is a very important aspect. Uh, like uh, we need to find better ways to clarify this uh, how is best right uh, with uh, because it's it's a big uh, saving potential right there to avoid uh, doing the same work twice yeah definitely um and also uh, if you can avoid making a new model when you do maintenance and operation uh, it's important this was the next uh, thing i was uh, willing to point but this is not happening, not because you don't want to do it. It's not happening because the customers don't have the, the knowledge or uh, they, to require it. So uh, I, I think the next step, but this uh, where, uh, was what I, uh, I was pointi pointing out. Like uh, now we think uh, how we design to be built. 
but we need to get to the point where we get the exchange information requirements from customers that we know how we must design for maintenance and operation. Then we have beam used at its uh, full potential. Yeah, definitely. And at least say uh, if we were to make a operation and maintenance model of of this latest bridge, um, it wouldn't be very hard. Like the attributes you need for operation and maintenance is quite different from what you need when you're building it. But attaching new attributes to every object that's that's not very uh, complicated it's just a matter of knowing what's important to the people that's going to maintain it but of course that's uh, dependent on on sveco doing that job because uh, if if some other company with another software is doing it then then uh, you lose a lot of the information yeah so if you're transferring something from Tecla to, to Revit or, or vice versa, that you would probably lose quite a lot of data. And I don't know how quite how you uh, how you could do that efficiently, but uh, maybe you could use your IFC files to to generate a new model. Exactly, exactly, and not necessarily a model. This is what I'm thinking. Like they know they don't necessarily need a model. Not always. They might use the model uh, they get for some things, like to see a door properties or something. Uh, but uh, there might be more data that they can, they could just get uh, like uh, in a database. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, just uh, make some queries to, to get out what they need to, to look for. You know, I don't know exactly how, but I, I get we, I think we, we really need to get over this uh, formats and everything. So we, we are going somewhere with IFC, but uh, we definitely uh, uh, need to get like to a point where yeah, it doesn't matter what you use. Like, we we need to focus more on uh, on this kind of tools that makes the tool you are using redundant. Doesn't matter anymore what you are using. You just use uh, something that connects to worlds, and you take the data you need. I think I think I've seen someone from Sveco. I don't remember uh, his name, but uh, he tries to use Speckle, which is this kind of in uh, interface that you can connect two different. Like, he, I I think he he's trying to to connect uh, like uh, the modeling part with the structural analysis so you get a very uh, fluent workflow taking only the data it is needed because yeah, yeah this is this is very important as well so you you might not need a civil engineer to do that to design that you might need a programmer to do that that list or i don't know or someone else with uh, other uh, but i'm thinking like for a process that makes sense like uh, when you buy a car, uh, you you want to have the options that you are interested in, right? It should be the same. Like you you need uh, heat or uh, air condition because you want to be warmer or colder, right? So it should be the same the same here. It's an interesting uh, thought because um, with parametric design, your geometry is uh, is based maybe in in our case in Rhino. Uh, a program that uh, generates geometry, yeah, and then we sort of uh, we lift it over to Tecla. Um, so if you if you if you could manage to have your whole geometry in an in in some kind of format, for example, Rhino, 
then Tecla is sort of just a middle software to export IFC files. But if, you, if you're going to use your model for operation and maintenance later then, uh, it would be software independent in another way. That would, that would be good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, anything starts with uh, from uh, being aware about this, right? Uh, right now, we don't have uh, clients that require for this information because they don't. Uh, it's not. It's not any anybody's fault. Like it's a learning process, right? But it makes sense. Like this would make the entire supply chain much more efficient. Like and yeah, you, and it would cost a lot less during the entire life cycle. And you could maybe connect that geometry to a calculation program, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. But then the problem also is that um, uh, what you need from a model is so different if you're calculating or if you're modeling for a third party control or someone building and for operation and maintenance, because um, four stages doesn't really make any sense when you're doing operation and maintenance. No. Like, um so uh, how you divide your elements uh, sort of in in the building stage of Anselva we have uh, over 100 pore phases probably over 200 pore, pore stages uh, but in operation and maintenance you could see the concrete for the whole bridge as one unit because probably you you don't need data for a pore stage after it's been casted and when we do railing uh, a railing post for us is not divided into screws and bolts but maybe that's important when you do operation and maintenance so um, that's a challenge well uh, if i may interrupt you here this this should this see uh, i see this as a very simple uh, line you know exchange information requirement contract like if the facility manager needs this they need to specify it. It's so easy. And now we get more uh, softwares and tools like to like, and we get ISO 19650, right? So you get good guidelines. You just need to start using them and start from somewhere. Uh, like yep. you said, public road administration and Baninur as well, Stats Big as well. They are all, all, all trying to use more and more 19650 ISO standard to formulate better requirements. So you need to start from there. and like we can try to guess uh, what would be best for a facility operation uh, to uh, way to design things but uh, we, uh, this is not, uh, would be not very efficient or we uh, we should just uh, just ask like if i like i said if you have all the parts involved in the process from the start uh, and uh, you have you have a meeting with the facility manager or you have a, a chapter in the exchange information requirement document where they specify, I need this kind of information. That means that and that and that. So you don't need to guess. Like you, you know how to do your job. You don't need to start being a facility manager. Just uh, try to provide them the information they need. You might be able to do it yourself. You might be uh, needed to hire a programmer. Uh, it might be necessary. Like not this. This sounds very dumb actually because i i i'm still uh, amazed that uh, we don't have like uh, i see i still see uh, engineering companies that don't have in-house programmers 
uh, this this should be long time ago uh, normal anyway uh, so i don't know what kind of people you would need for that but uh, like you the best to provide that i had actually the last episode uh, uh, facility manager and uh, yeah the best would uh, to talk to him and ask him exactly what do you need like everything should start from there what how are you going to use this building what is describe it and tell me what you need and then you provide it as a consultant yeah no it's a that's a two-way thing of course because uh, many times they don't quite know what they need because they've never seen it uh, you got to show it to them <laughs> before they believe it sort of yeah but that's why these meetings are very important that's why we need to be involved from the start right and have regular that's why i see uh inter concurrent engineering is important right you definitely do have this kind of meetings on some projects right yeah yeah we um these ice meetings uh we had them a lot in the start uh, for for this project um and and also earlier projects i worked on and um the thing is uh, for us we're 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 delivering a, a product to the client uh, that's yeah that's pnc as i mentioned um and uh, a good product is something a product that understands their needs and a bad product is it's making work hard for them and i think we managed to to tweak the design so that it, it fits their way of working and and also a very um rewarding cooperation for us is that they they get back to us and say uh, this would help us a lot if you could do this or or that that's very valuable yeah definitely and um uh, and it heightens our level of competence and it enriches the product in in a way that's a lot more useful for them and i think in in contracts where you don't have that calibration you you lack you, well you're missing out on a lot of useful information yeah that's definitely a challenge uh, and i think that should be like uh, that should be more of the responsibility of the client like they should find out the best way the best type of contracts for they their own interest right of course like you need to involve everybody you can consult with with anybody right uh, but it's your interest and not only to get built a thing because that is very very small part of the project like i said from previous conversation i understood that you get around 20 to 30 percent of the entire life cycle of a project it's going to cost you to build it but then 70 or 80 percent in some cases you will spend during this year using and operating the facility right so uh, this is another thing that is a shame uh, that we focus, like uh, customers, clients are focusing a little bit too much on the price to, to hire the cheapest price and uh, uh, not thinking on the long run. But uh, it's, uh, this is uh, easy to understand because it's difficult for us to, uh, to compute, to think so many years ahead, especially for infrastructures. <laughs> like many of them might not be lived to see 20% uh, of the lifespan of a building, of a project or something. So, uh, I don't know, but I, I think these are uh, important topics and things that uh, if we make better, everybody can thrive much better. Contractors thrive much better. You as a consultant are going to, like, even if you have a contractor or a builder that is going to require you more things to do, 
uh, it for someone might be a little bit uh, annoying, but uh, in that way you secure uh, a better delivery for them, right? And you learn to do uh, things in a better way or to think uh, about their needs as well, not only about your needs. Because this is something else I, I seen before. Like, yeah, consultant will just uh, design the building without thinking too much. I need to do my job. I finished. That's done. It's your job uh, after that, right? So this is another. But I, I, everything, everything uh, comes down to the contracts. This is very important. So everything starts, starts from there. But we are a, uh, like a cycle that we are uh, uh, involved in this complexes, right? Uh, the, the client cannot grow without Consul uh, consultants or designers growing or uh, builders growing because uh, in this cycle we learn from each other right so the good thing about norway is that it's so small so it's it's sort of uh, spreading information and and making uh, all the companies work the same way would be easier than in a in a larger country and uh, the norwegian government has been very you know involved in involving the industry um and that's and also I think concrete bridges is is a very good way of starting this process because um, it's not so many other disciplines involved, and there's uh, often one company doing all disciplines, whether that being uh, water uh, or or uh, geotechnics or whatever. And um, in concrete bridges, uh, you don't have all that many third-party products that that you you put in. I'm guessing in a commercial building you have hundreds of different companies that then have to use the same 3D model. Yeah. And and uh, and and maybe tens ten companies uh, adding information and models to it. On these concrete bridges, we we have one company doing all the modeling and then another company extracting all the information. So it's it's a um, thankful kind of a construction to make using BIM. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it would be very difficult to start with something much more complex. Uh, but uh, like from a mindset uh, point of view, it's very important to like to, to look for improvements, to, uh, to look for things. What can we do better? Uh, because this ha has been too long uh, since we are just uh, fighting each other maybe between uh, uh, disciplines or uh, consultants uh, or uh, and uh, builders and clients. So requiring better information, providing better information, building <laughs> better products is going to eliminate lots of this, right? And but it, it's so much. It's so much improvement only when you talk only you evolve everybody and don't see anybody as your counterparty or something right and you see the other party as a team like we need to succeed all of us need to succeed for this yep. right so that's why uh, uh, ipd contracts are interesting because it uh, incentivizes everybody to to make the best out of it because the the quicker you finish the project, the better you do it, you get more money in profits. So that is something that, of course, is not easy to and to change overnight. But yeah, it might be it might not be perfect, but it might be something to look out for. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, on uh, working together, 
when you sort of uh, intermingle processes, uh, getting a good team uh, going and a team spirit going, that's uh, a lot easier when um, when when you co cooperate to make a good product, whether that be a BIM model or, or the structure itself. Um, and uh, I don't know if if we've just been very lucky on on the Lanselva, but it, it's been a pleasure working with both people calculating and and people building it, and uh, very few conflicts uh, overall and i you know it's a uh, covid time and there's of course challenges uh, but um on um, i think like having respect for each other's knowledge and work is um is a lot easier to to get the feel for the complexity of of other people's tasks when you work together on these kind of projects yeah that's definitely true what is your interpretation of building information modeling? Because I, I, I did not ask you in the start. Yeah. I think first you have to model objects, 3D objects with, with the volume and not just lines. And once you start attaching some kind of attributes to those objects, that's BIM to me. So whatever, whatever you model, it's, it's not important. But if you click on an object, you need some kind of structured data popping up. Yeah, so you need to, to connect the information to the object you are modeling. Otherwise, they are just uh, yeah placeholders. Yeah, and in the old days, it would just be lines uh, sort of uh, symbolizing uh, 3D object. Hmm. Regarding BIM adoption, uh, you said that in Norway it's easier because it's a smaller country and uh, it's easier for people to come along and uh, join their forces into this. What would be uh, a part of what I said regarding the supply chain? Do you see any other challenges uh, in this? Like what is uh, still holding us back to get us to, to the next level, to become more productive and uh, working better together? Yeah, I guess the first thing is the amount of projects. Like um, to to have good uh, decisions, you need some data to base that decisions on. And since we've done so few projects, say maybe guessing, there's maybe a hundred plus structures in Norway that's been built without drawings, but still um, the road authorities don't have much data suggesting if we. Uh, make fewer mistakes and and if we spend less money and of course the, the contractors doesn't really want to give the information or share the information but having good data to compare this way of working with other ways of working that would be very very important and uh, i haven't seen this data yet yeah exactly you you touch a wasp nest with this uh, this is a huge problem because uh, in an ideal beam world, people should collaborate. Like if you, you will have the right information in the beam model only if you have everybody sharing the information, right? But uh, to become better at this, to make it the best out of it, we need to to work together. But not, uh, to work together, you need to talk to uh, to get uh, with each other, right? And um, uh, and this is a huge problem. Yes, we don't share enough data. We don't share anything. Uh, uh, like we keep everything inside. Like, do you have any ideas how might we get this? Uh, 
how can we could we uh, become better at this uh, like uh, how would uh, what would do us uh, make us to to make this easier uh maybe um, i guess if if the road authorities uh, or or the, the the project clients if they demanded data on on this i don't know if you could sort of uh, like uh, contractually force people to share and maybe that would be an idea so so data on like that can support your your decisions that's important and and um, and then standardizing things whether that be colors in the models or or uh, information tag symbols or what kind of like say you need to link your model to some external document uh, where should that be saved? What kind of format should it be? So that could be a thing. Yeah, I, I think this uh, this is something that comes with uh, ISO 19650. So this, this, these are things that uh, are very preeminently uh, described there. Like you should have in a exchange information requirement document, right? So this is definitely like uh, on the client's part. From your experience, do you know um, are the clients, like for example, uh, the public road administration, are they very aware? Do they, uh, I think they try with Banenur together on the Ringerix Bane project eh, to have this kind of document. But I don't know outside of this, do you hear around yourself? Let's let's forget about customers, but generally around, uh, around yourself, do you, do you hear any noise about ISO 19650? This ISO beam standard uh, that became international after uh, being uh, published in the uh, United Kingdom. Um, I'm, I must. I'm not very familiar with uh, the standard myself, so so I I cannot really answer that in a good way. Um, but I know Bananu, the railroad authorities in Norway, they they're trying to standardize attributes, uh, BIM attributes, and so so are the road authorities, Statens Vejvesen and Vejdirektoratet. Um, and they're involving us as, as uh, consultants in, in that work. And it's a tricky question because you want to um, you want to standardize attributes. So, so, you know, a door is always called the door and you can find attributes on the door there and there. But then you end up with uh, 10,000 attributes. And is the door, is that a unit or is the handle also a unit or like how do you want to divide it that way? So um, maybe employing a, a object-oriented programming paradigm, like think yeah. about an object and smaller objects, and then you have families and sub-objects or subfamilies and such. I don't know. Yeah, but then um, your model gets very, very heavy if you start adding levels and details. I mean, Ranselva, uh, we we have at least 250,000 objects in it. And if you attach 1,000 attributes to every object, then you, you have, you know, millions and millions of attributes. And and then I guess the, the most important thing about BIM is giving the right information to the right people at the right time. And by, you know, by do, if you want to do that, then you need to, to rigidly control the data. 
so if you have too much data, you it's hard to quality control it and it's hard to find it. So um, on the Ransan bridge, we have uh, 12 standard attributes per object and 10 open ones that you can sort of add whatever information you want. And even that is hard to, to structure. So, so I think it's like limiting your attributes to what stage you're in. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, yeah, so I um, I guess it's not answering your question at all, but uh, at least it's. Uh, no, no, it's it's, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Um, the uh, the nineteen six fifty, it's uh, it's quite uh, new for many, so it's not uh, not a shame uh, not being updated with it. I know. I know about it, but I, to a very high uh, or uh, high level, I don't know details, uh, too much details. But uh, all you mentioned about uh, like these requirements are very, very uh, well described how to do it uh, using this standard. So this is going to become uh, definitely a new norm. And I think Baninur and Staten Vavesen, they are the requirements they have made for this project for Ring Eric's Banen, they have used ISO 19650 as the backbone of this document. So the document is based on this standard. And not only that, uh, it goes much more into detail and uh, it requires you to have a, to, to define a common data environment that we're going to use. So you have all the data in the same thing, in the same place. Everybody have access to everything. So uh, yeah, I, uh, we, we might uh, have an answer right there. Uh, like we definitely need more uh, customers or clients to become more familiar with ISO 9650 and uh, try to to apply it to uh, to a degree. Start start using it because it's very uh, it, it's it's the it's a it's a very uh, concrete thing that you you can yeah I want to try this. Don't want to think to something more advanced or something, but it's a very very good way to to create better contracts and uh, better requirements. I think um, there's two ways of it. It's it's good with a um, with a standard saying how you should do things, but uh, in uncharted territory like like these BIM uh, projects are, you you wanna you wanna take baby steps and you don't wanna you wanna try and fail fast and then scale up. And uh, sometimes these standards, with the best intention, they you know they they give guidelines, and and they're not really all that feasible to use in the projects because uh, either they 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 don't take account new technology, or they uh, have um, yeah. There, there's many things that can go wrong. So um, uh, it's at least from by directorate, when they try to standardize things, they they give them as advice first, and if it seems to work, then it it becomes a standard. And and what you're standardizing at the time is sort of um, it doesn't have to be big things. It can be at the moment we're working on a list of of attributes curtains. So so sort of one thing is attributes and and what kind of uh, curtain should that attribute be connected to? Yeah. 
and it's uh, it's a low hanging fruit and it's not very complicated, but it still takes quite a lot of of trying and failing to get it right. Yeah, uh, no, I completely agree regarding uh, standards. I I'm not uh, I'm not a fanatic uh, fan about standards myself, uh, but even uh, though I'm quite critical uh, to them. Uh, I think they are a good starting point and of course that doesn't mean that you need to try to spit out the just copy paste the entire standard in your contract and the requirement without understanding first you need to start learn like you said baby steps try to understand as much as possible and uh, start with uh, specific requirements and go from there right like it's a it, it might be a good uh, starting point uh, compared to not having anything and uh, yeah just trying to do the things you are uh, the, in the way you are comfortable doing the things with right so uh, from from this perspective uh, i think it's important and uh, because right now they can see they can say customers right we don't know how how should i know but you have these guidelines here and uh, i don't think they are very specific like i need you require me this 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 and this no i think you 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 get uh, you get to to ask yourself more questions and define your own terms as well what you want to include and uh, leave uh, leave it a little bit more open uh, don't yeah you need to be like like okay the colors you can specify i want this color that's easy right but if you need a, a more variation with different aspects then you you might uh, just leave some room for uh, for uh, movement there right but uh, to start from somewhere somewhere like uh, and uh, most importantly to start understanding why why I'm doing this? Because uh, uh, this standard has behind the this reasoning, like how to get the all the parts more evolved and how to get the best product and how to get the best operation and uh, maintenance afterwards. So, uh, yeah, uh, of course, there is nothing perfect. No, no. And, and another thing with, with BIM models that I, I think um, could be improved is uh, sort of readability of the model like um the best computer games you know they're very good at intuitively making you understand what to do yeah and uh, you know the big software companies uh, or like like uh, an ipad you you see babies using ipads because it's intuitive <laughs> exactly and you know a person with uh, well 20 years of experience do not know how to use a BIM model because it's uh, engineers making it and we're good at engineering, but we're not good at, um, you know, um, what do you say? Uh, well, Communicating uh, or... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, no, I agree. And, um, and uh, that's something we try to spend quite a lot of time with, with the Ranselva. And I'm not the one to answer if we succeeded or not, but, um, but you know, like uh, making your colors in a model in a way that you understand intuitively what's important and what's not, and also uh, where you can find your information without uh, looking around too much. And um, I think that's that's a part that needs to be improved as well. If you could standardize that, and that should not be very hard to standardize, then you would would uh, do the whole. Um, BIM uh, community a huge favor. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Well, Öystein, 
uh, if someone wants to uh, contact you and ask you a question or yeah. Uh, yeah get in contact with you how how uh, he or she should do it uh, the easiest thing is linkedin i guess my uh, my name is Öystein Ulvestad uh, so uh, i am um, i think if you spell uh, o y s t e i n Oh, don't U-L. don't worry about that. I'll put it in the oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, as yeah. a link in the show notes. I'm forgetting it. <laughs> forgetting <laughs> we're digital. Yeah, LinkedIn profile. I guess that's the easiest. Um, and there you could see some examples of of the work we've been doing lately, uh, as well. Um, so contact me and uh, write me in a message there. Yeah, I guess that's the easiest way. Okay, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Einstein, for taking the time. coming along and uh, it's been a pleasure uh, i love this conversation